0: Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. My new book, Intergalactic Totalitarianism, is now out on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback. I'm currently in production of the audiobook, so you'll be the first to know when that is out as well. Um, Links will be in the show notes, so check it out if you're interested. Interested. Parallel conspiracies in a galaxy far, far away, in a galaxy not so far away. The show was designed as an introduction to modern day conspiracy theories by using Star Wars, one of the most beloved fictional universes, as a point of reference. Let's begin. All right, it looks like we are live on youtube okay first time so hopefully this uh this works out well so um thank you everybody for joining this is another episode of conspiracy in the force this time live on youtube i'm your host conspiracy kyle and i have a really great guest with me today i have mr odd man out from the Oddcast. how are you doing this evening
1: I'm doing great man. It re, it remains to be seen whether I'm a great I'm a good guest or not. So we'll see, hopefully. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I'll I'll you know, you can uh we'll start you off high and then we'll we'll, we'll see what happens throughout. So Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um so so you you came on and, and talked with us on the show last year. We talked a lot about the, you know, right versus left divide, which you know is always a a big thing that that goes on in our world um from time to time. And so, so today I asked you back because there was something I really wanted to, to talk about and, and something that I wanted to learn more about, honestly, you know, personally from, for myself, and I think a lot of people, you know, would definitely benefit from hearing more information about it is about, you know, a lot of times we talk about all these, you know, secret societies, quote unquote, that, that run the world, whether it be your Illuminati cabal, what have you, um, you know, and when you use those terms like Illuminati cabal, it's kind of more or less kind of like an ideology, but. You know, there's one that's more or less an actual kind of a a sect that you can, you know, that has like physical buildings and stuff, and that's the uh, the Freemasons. So that's kind of what I want to talk about. But I guess before we before we get started, if you want to just let everybody know a little bit about yourself and and your podcast and what you have going on.
1: Oh yeah, thank you. So I do a podcast called The Oddcast, featuring the Odd Man Out. And if you want to check it out, it is theoddmanout.podbean.com you can find me on underscore the odd man out on Twitter and Instagram. And what I do is I talk a lot about secret societies. Uh, I talk a lot about the new world order and kind of my goal with that. I talk about some other things, but I usually don't do too many current topics, although I did over this whole Ukraine, Russia thing. But uh, I try to break down old conspiracies and see if I can find out what's true and what's not, what we have proof of because a lot of the older conspiracy guys, you know, I I listen to a lot of those guys and and watch their videos and stuff like that. And they're great. But a lot of times they just give you the surface level stuff that we can now get like on Wikipedia, a lot of it, you know, and sometimes they get stuck on a quote or a symbol or something like that. And they make a bigger deal out of it than it really was. So I try to really go a couple of uh, layers deeper in the onion and try to see what's true and what's not. And that's kind of my goal with that. Try to give people enough information that they can run with it and do their own research.
0: Right, and I think that's important. Like you said, not necessarily covering, you know, the hot topic of today, because a lot of these ideas and methods and ways of thinking and tactics, you know, have been used over and over through history. And, you know, knowing history, I think is is better equips you of kind of understanding what's happening now. I think you would agree then, actually really digging into every single little detail that's happening now, because you can almost kind of, uh, to a certain extent, predict, or at least kind of know what kind of things are going to come ahead. So you aren't really surprised. It's not really a shock.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You can kind of, if you don't know exactly what is going to happen, you know, it's going to be one of a handful of scenarios based on the past, because you're right. I mean, a lot of these same techniques have been used time and time again, especially stuff like the Hegelian dialectic, where they, you know, some people call it problem reaction equals solution, uh, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, you, it's really good to know the past. I mean, you know, they don't really teach deep history in school, you know, they switched it to social studies, I think in the 50s, which kind of took the emphasis off straight history, which I think was a, a mistake. And, uh, you know, it's like that old saying those that don't know the past are doomed to repeat it
0: yeah and these things definitely they they repeat over time um if not repeat i mean i think rhyming is probably another good good way to phrase it right it's just like a it's like a poem you know there's there's a lot of words that rhyme with each other they're not the exact same thing but it's the same kind of of mentality and yeah these these things over over and over throughout history especially when you talk about you know dictatorships and authoritarianism and all this stuff and you know like Hitler's obviously the one everybody goes to, but there's so many other examples of of that kind of template. And um, the more and more you know about that, the more and more you can kind of see through, see through the lies and kind of see through the manipulations of of what's currently happening. Because you know the, the media, I think even now, ever you know, worse than ever is is just a part of this of the system. You know, and you know, I I, I made a funny you know. A post earlier today that you know they put out this 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 list that said hey you know just so you guys know this is what misinformation is and this is what disinformation is for you guys to to, to figure out you know uh <laughs> stuff you see out there it's like well it's kind of like you know the pot calling the kettle black there when the when the mainstream news is putting out that kind of information for you <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. right exactly you know how much more proof do we need that it's scripted than you know that people put together these uh kind of collages of the the same it's like the the media from all over the country saying the exact same phrase or the exact same word you know and it's like oh come on (laughs) we've known this for a long time but it's just like you said it's more clear than ever
0: yeah and and, you know my favorite ones are it's like that but it's like a side-by-side a tweet somebody made you know two years ago like oh my gosh we have to defund the police we can't have these kind of issues going on and now it's you know from two days ago like I'm with Biden. We need to uh, we need to fund the police back up. And it's just like, you know, (laughs) there's so much data and and so much information out there in the Internet now that it's so easy for us to to pick apart some of these these kind of things.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. The the hypocrisy is off the charts. It's insane. You know, I mean, it, it even surprises me still sometimes that people will switch completely you know, a, a stance that they had just a few months ago and and turn around and say just the opposite. It's it's amazing, amazing times. Yeah,
0: it, it, re- it really is. So yeah, so let's get into um, the topic of today about, you know, Freemasonry. So, you know, this is something that I have, you know, limited knowledge on, you know, obviously there's all the the symbology out there, which I think a lot of people, you know, latch onto right away, like, oh, that's Freemasonry, that's this, that, that's that. Um, and, you know, where, where I live in Ohio, Kind of what piqued my interest in this a few years ago is I live close to the uh, William McKinley um, monument, you know where he's where President McKinley's buried, Um, and if when you there's like it's like a hundred steps to walk up to this monument. It's it's kind of a dome thing on top of a hill. I'm sure there's some you know Roman esque uh, architecture or something associated with that that um, people have probably dug into. But when you go into his tomb you know it's him and his wife are buried in there i think his daughters are buried in there too but but the the first the, the thing you see right up next to his tomb is not a plaque saying you know like here lies the whatever president number president he was it's a list of all of his rankings in like the the freemason order going all the way up oh, wow. to like the 33rd degree so when i saw that i'm like that's that's very interesting that that to him and his family and his legacy that was the most important thing so I'll kind of um kick it over to you, like tell me a little bit about kind of what um, I guess kind of start I guess we can start way back. like how did this kind of society exist, and kind of how does it how is it different then than it kind of is, you know kind of in the current day?
1: yeah, we, you know it's kind of a kind of a complicated subject because even masons don't ag- don't agree on everything. There's a lot of things that they disagree about, but uh, you know it's still the Largest fraternal organization in the world. Uh, you know, some say it started in 1717 in England. Uh, you know, and some say it started back during the Crusades. It sprang from the Knights Templar. Uh, some say it started in ancient Egypt, that far back. Um, you know, the Knights Templar Order, they say that it was formed 330 years after the original Templar Order was formed. Um, you know, and they say that the Order of the Illuminati was formed exactly 330 years after that. So there's all kinds of different um, information about the beginnings. I tend to believe that it probably did start all the way back in ancient Egypt, but maybe was called something else and wasn't exactly like uh, it is today in the way it became in England in 1717. Uh, but um, they say it's not a secret society. They say it's a society of secrets excuse me uh, which is true because people know about it you can see at the lodges you you can look up a lot of things nowadays on the internet and there's a lot of stuff that's not true as well which really is a shame because you know it's, it's hard to know if you're just looking into it for the first time it's hard to just to tell truth from fiction but it was very important at the founding of the country Nine, at least nine of the 56 signers of the Declaration were Masons. Uh, The Constitution, there were at least 13 Masons there and a couple who became Masons after the signing of the Constitution. Uh, The state of Pennsylvania is is a very, very influential uh, Masonic state. You know, they call it the Keystone State, and the Keystone is basically that center. Uh, stone in an arch that holds the two sides together so there's all kinds of symbology with masonry all over the country of course and you know the the capital the u.s capital is the biggest one that most people know about but uh, it's just uh, even like texas the lone star state a lot of uh, early founders of texas were freemasons and the lone star is it was said to kind of uh, symbolize the blazing star of Freemasonry—that star that you see a lot of times. They call it the blazing star, or the uh, dog star, or the star of Sirius. So, a lot of uh, a lot of history there with famous masons and the founding of the country and founding of various states as well.
0: Yeah, and, and it's interesting, like you said, you know, there's there's a lot of information out there online you can go look up, but you know, just like a lot of things. Um, for the untrained eye, a lot of the stuff on the surface doesn't seem like a bad thing, right? I mean, like if you go to, like, for somebody that doesn't know anything about a conspiracy or any, any kind of stuff that we talk about, you go to, like, the World Economic Forum website, right? It looks great. You know, like, they want to do all this stuff. They have all these initiatives for clean water and resources and all this stuff. And to the untrained eye, that, that, that seems great. Hey, they're trying to help people. Um, I, I feel like the Freemason, you know, the the Freemason websites are kind of the exact same thing. Kind of what is their what is their kind of main, I guess, marketing or uh, a, a push that they put out there about why they are such a good organization?
1: Well, they, they like to talk about their charity work, and I think they have done quite a bit of charity over the years. Uh, you know, they, one of their mottos is we make good men better, but, uh, you know, We'll probably mention the Shriners, it's an offshoot of the Masons and you have to be uh, a master Mason or a 32nd degree Mason in the Scottish Rite to be a Shriner and they're really known for their uh, philanthropy, but if you really break it down, a very small amount of money actually goes to these different causes. Kind of like some of these big uh, foundations in in their philanthropy groups, you know, when you really start to pull it apart, you know, it's kind of seems like, is that it? Are you guys just using this because it's tax exempt and you're kind of laundering money or, or, you know, using that money for nefarious purposes? Uh, But I think a lot of people go into masonry. I, I know several masons and I have a neighbor that's a mason and I like him a lot. He's relatively new to it. But he told me he just went in because uh, a lot of people in his company actually are Masons. And it's, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and say, I just, I'm not going to mention his name or anything, but it's its UPS. And I've heard that UPS has a lot of Masons. And uh, really the Masons, uh, at least in England, and I think even farther back, go really back to kind of these guilds. And they were a lot like, um, you know, these different uh, organizations and uh different things that kind of try to help the workers out and so the old masons and we're talking about the real masons who built things they were taught and they became master masons and they were they wanted to keep that knowledge really secret because they didn't want competition so uh, they wouldn't allow other people to know their secrets you know because it was kind of like uh, protecting their job so um, you know that's kind of a, one of the other reasons Supposedly, that they started. You had the uh, the craft degree, which was the guys that actually built things, and then you had the speculative masonry, which is the kind that we're talking about. You know, with the esoteric symbolism and all that kind of stuff. So, it's it's a kind of a. I think they they do help people and they do teach some good things for sure, but I think uh, like everything, um, there's a downside and also just the nature of it being secretive, I think that uh, you create kind of a, a structure for uh, corruption and people to do you know nefarious things or bad things. Um, and I think that because of the structure of masonry and it's been around longer and a lot than a lot of the other secret societies, so they've really got their uh, organization down and the way they do the initiations and degrees and the symbolism, a lot of these other, different secret societies have taken from Masonry too, and added to that. So you've got stuff like Bordeaux Templi Orientis. You've got uh, Order of the Golden Dawn and just so many others. And I think they've kind of taken that Masonic structure and uh, kind of done their own thing with it. And they're a little more on the, uh, in the open, you know, they're more of a, uh, I don't know if I would say nefarious, definitely, definitely not a Christian, Type of organization, put it that way, right?
0: Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's and you're right. It's it's interesting because um, the, the the secrecy. I mean, I mean, I think the the roots of that make a lot of sense, right? They have proprietary methods of of it, it just like any think about like a restaurant that has like a special sauce, right? They're not going to tell everybody how to make that special sauce and run them run themselves out of business. So you can understand from like a business perspective that makes sense. It's just you know then when it gets into these other areas of, um, what have you that you're right. It, it gets, it gets shady and it's, it's very, um, interesting what's, what's really going on. And it's interesting what you mentioned too, about, about the, um, the, 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 the the company, you know, I think, you know, I guess my assumption is a lot of people probably think of it like a, like a social club, right. It's like somewhere you can probably go to network with people, especially if there's people you work with, you know, there's probably ways for you to, you know, Hey, I joined the society. Then, Hey, I was able to move up in the company and this and that. And, I think, you know, maybe some people think of it from that perspective Um, and, um, you know, a great, a great point, um, our buddy, Matt from the Great Deception podcast in the chat, he says, you know, about all the, about all the charity work. It's like, you know, whenever people say, oh, we're here to help people, we're here to help people, you know, you know, be careful what you wish for. I mean, the government says that all the time, right? You know, they're, they're here to help us and we know is anything, anything, but so let me ask you this. Um. I know, like you said, there's this kind of hierarchy, right? There's kind of entry-level people, then there's the kind of higher-ups. I mean, is it is it structured, I guess, like most companies where, like, the people at the bottom don't really know all that's going on? So, like, they to, to them, they're really not part of anything nefarious to their knowledge. Is, is that kind of your understanding of it?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So you start out with the, the Blue Lodge, which is the kind of, Original as far as in the modern era of masonry, so you just have the three degrees, and uh, those are the smaller lodges that you'll see on the side of the road in every little town a lot of times. And uh, so you work your way through those degrees. After every degree, you've got a catechism that you have to memorize—a very long catechism where you have to. It's like a question and answer session, and so they give you like a couple of months to to memorize that. After each degree, you come back, and after that third degree you're considered a master mason but yeah when you when you join the lodge you you know a lot of people know virtually nothing and um even like the more uh, esoteric writers that have written about masonry like uh manly p hall and albert pike's probably the most famous uh albert Mackey is like a famous masonic historian um there's so many um w w l wilmhurst a lot of these guys uh they uh they talk more about the esoteric side of things. And they say in there plainly that the, the uh, initiates, the, the guys that are in the lower level don't know anything about what's going on. And in fact, like Pike and uh, Mainly P. Hall, they're pretty open about saying there's inner orders. There's orders within orders. And so they choose the, the, the adepts, the, the master masons, or the, the ones that are even higher than that, they choose people who they think will go up higher into these inner orders. And so they handpick them. And they also tell you that what one guy sees as the symbolism and the meanings of the initiations and the rituals, another guy will not see those. So if you're more in tune with esoteric stuff, you're going to get more out of the each level you know and uh with those inner orders we really don't know a lot about exactly what those guys are talking about are they talking about orders that have been written about are they talking about the higher degrees when they say inner order it sounds like they're talking about secretive orders because we can read about the the higher degrees so uh you know they kind of tell you that they well especially uh albert pike that they they have all these veiled Uh, different allegories and different things like that and he said that they actually purposely fool those who don't deserve to know the real truth with these allegories they're they're written in such a way that only certain people will understand them and uh, they do that purposely they talk about regular people who are not of the you know kind of magical esoteric mindset that they call them profane and they kind of look down upon them you know and um that's just kind of the way it is so it is on the outside this nice philanthropic brotherly kind of organization but you know in those inner orders it's much more esoteric and and much more I would say nefarious at least for those who have an evil mind you know because it if you do have an evil mind this provides a lot of um, organization in different ways that you can kind of do evil things with all the secrecy and the symbology and the ways to communicate in secret if you know what i mean
0: right right and and what you said too it sounds like it sounds like they have these kind of um marks along the way where they can kind of try to weed out people that they think are either you know just trying to infiltrate or you know what they said non-deserving um so that you know people can't you know write some tell-all book about hey this or that because you know, I think these people kind of know. I mean, is it, it like how, like in your opinion, like how do you think they would kind of know one way or the other if somebody was really in or not? Is it like um, a personality trait, or is it just something inherent that it's just kind of like a you know, like you know it when you see it with with these kind of people?
1: That's a great question because because I've never read exactly what they mean by that. It, it sounds to me like they just mean uh, those who have the mindset to be able to figure out what their allegories and symbology means. Uh, but I, I think you're probably right. And they just know, you know, because yeah. they, they're in that world and, and they may pick special people who they like even better than others, maybe to, to kind of appoint to be in those inner orders. Uh, and of course, you know, like uh, one thing I didn't mention was there's kind of some contention between say the Scottish Rite which goes up to 33 degrees and then the, the Blue Lodge, which I talked about before that only has the three. And once you're a Blue Lodge, you're, you know, once you uh, finish the third degree, you're a Master Mason. And so they say actually in the Blue Lodge that the other degrees, you never really get higher than that Master Mason third degree, according to them. So they say that the, if you join the Scottish Rite, which goes up to the 33rd, which actually the 33rd, you have to be appointed. It's kind of just given to you. You can't seek after it. Uh, but the York Rite it has 10 degrees. So after you you know, get through the and become a master mason, you can go on to the York Rite or the Scottish Rite. And, uh, but the, yeah, there's a little bit of contention there with those guys. And, uh, you know, there's so many rumors about masonry, especially in the conspiracy world. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough job to kind of weed out truth from fiction and, and kind of figure out uh, what's going on with it
0: yeah and you know I've, I've seen some comments and some posts and things where you know a lot of people have an opinion right like it's just a, it's just a thing people go and do and you know maybe to some people that's that's all it is but you know if, if that's the case you know why why all the secrecy you know i i think that's what um and you know you can say a lot about that with with our government, a lot of stuff that's been going on over the past few years, right? Like if there's nothing nefarious about some certain thing, which I won't say on YouTube, you know why is there all this secrecy and hiding of of data and in, in all the in all this stuff? So it's 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 kind of you know part of the part of the same part of the same thing. Um, now let me ask you about like religious affiliation. Um, do do they? I know. I mean, I know well, I won't say I know I'll kick it to you to to, to let me know if i'm if I'm off base here. I mean, I know the Bible is very important to them. um but but is it well, I guess two questions for one, am i am I accurate with that and for two, how it, it, are they just interpreting it different than you know your normal Christian or like how are they wielding that, I guess to their to, to their cause?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. They, um, so you have to believe in a deity to be a Mason, uh, but you don't have to believe in any certain deity, and you're not supposed to talk about any certain deity while you're a brother in the lodge. That's strictly forbidden. They, They do have a Bible in each lodge, but Uh, Albert Pike says that the Bible is basically just, a he does say this, actually, it's just a piece of furniture. It's it's, uh, kind of for show, although they do use a lot of the uh, different stories out of the Bible or several uh, revolving around uh, King Solomon mostly, Uh, and they talk about the Temple of Solomon, and really what they mean by that is your inner temple, and you're building your temple. So they do use, you know, some of the stories from the Bible, but uh, they don't really, you know, they say they're not a religion, per se. But then you read some quotes by Albert Pike, uh, who says that it's, a, you know, they, they are a religion in certain places. He says they're not, and then in certain places he says they there are. Uh, he says that uh, every Masonic lodge is a temple of religion, and its teachings are instructions in religion, and that's from Morals and Dogma. And he also says so masonry teaches the people that masonry is the pure and primitive religion and that's from his book legenda which is kind of hard to find but uh so i would say they are uh, there's so much in there about religion but it's like um i think because they take a lot of uh they have multiple meanings for everything so they take stuff from the egyptian religion they got some greek stuff in there uh you know stuff from judaism just different things like that uh, like the um the Shriners, they they have a real uh, kind of Islamic bent to them, so they do you know kind of mix religions, kind of like a polytheistic type of religion. I, I would say,
0: right, right, that and and, that, and yeah, no, that that does make sense, especially um, you know obviously I'm a big Star Wars guy, and that's that's one of the elements of Star Wars about the mystical religion within Star Wars is that that is a, a polytheistic type of viewpoint because it, it's an amalgam of uh, little pieces and bits of every single religion, you know, know, Hinduism, Buddhism, there's a lot of Eastern philosophy in there about, about nature and being in touch with nature and um, feeling the force within you, all, all that kind of stuff. So that, that, that does make a lot, that does make a lot of sense. And, you know, yeah, Solomon, I think that does make a lot of sense as well, that they would key in on him, as they said, you know, he was the wisest person at that time. So, you know, that you have the wisdom, you have the, the hidden knowledge so I think that's a, that, that makes sense that they would kind of, you know, cherry pick that aspect of the Bible and, and, and key into that. And then like you, like the Bible, right, like just using it as a prop. I mean, you, every time a president is sworn in, it's the same kind of thing, right? They put their hand on the Bible. Well, they're not opening the Bible and reading a chapter or a verse. They're just putting their hand on it, just like they're putting their hand on a piece of wood, you know. So it's interesting that that kind of same. And, and, and of course, like like you said, like we've seen a lot of presidents, that have been Masons, So that's interesting that that um, ritual has passed forth between those two um, things there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I I saw another quote here uh, from Albert Pike about the secrecy and the kind of uh, double meaning of their uh, rituals and whatnot. And he said that the Templars, like all other secret orders and associations had two doctrines one concealed and reserved for the master of the pub, excuse me, one concealed for the public and one that's reserved for the, the public, you know? So um, if that makes any sense, i said that wrong, but you know what I mean? One is hidden for the public, one is reserved for the masters. That's what I meant to say, sorry about that. But um, yeah, a bunch of, you know, so many of our representatives have been masons and you know, you don't really hear about it anymore. Like up until like the fifties or sixties, you could read about it a lot and see who all had been Masons for the most part. But then it seemed like after that, they kind of got uh, really kind of uh, secretive about it for some reason. And, uh, you know, I've heard for years that a lot of people in Hollywood, a lot of actors are Masons, but you don't ever really see, hardly ever see any, uh, anything that confirms it for sure. But, um, you know, one thing I, I did uh, kind of find out recently, so in the in the Blue Lodge degrees, you act out, you're basically searching for the lost name of God. And that, that's kind of what you're doing. That's your, your whole thing basically revolves around that. And then at the end, I think they give it to you. But if you go on to the um, other degrees, like the Scottish Rite, then you realize, no, it wasn't the real name. So you have to continue to look for it. But um, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting because in those Blue Lodge, you act these things out. You've got to memorize all this stuff, put on the costumes and act these things out. But in the Scottish Rite, you know, I think the York Rite as well, you don't really, you're not much of a part of it. Every now and then you will be a part of it, but what you actually do is sit and you watch these plays acted out, which I think is pretty interesting because the Shriners are kind of obsessed with uh, plays and different things like that as well. And Shakespeare, they're really kind of obsessed with Shakespeare and they have these plays that uh, revolve around Shakespeare and the uh, one of the, uh, the Royal order of the jesters is another Shriner offshoot. Same with them. Then if you go into Bohemian Grove, which is another subject, but they always do a play on, you know, based on Shakespeare. So there's all these uh, weird kind of, it, it kind of relates to actors in Hollywood and different things like that. So that might be one reason why there are a lot of actors and directors who are supposed to be masons.
0: Yeah, and, and you are right. I mean, it's very hard to find, you know, I, I went digging for for a lot of information about that kind of stuff. And you, you'll be able to find, you know, the people who head up the lodges, right? You'll be able to find all the staff that work in the lodges, people that have been working in those roles exclusively but as far as the actual membership goes, it's very, it's, it's very dicey. And, you know, um, one thing I think you, you had tipped me off to a few weeks ago, um, you know, anybody who follows me on social media knows I'm a big uh, Phil Collins fan, um, shamelessly. And you mentioned that there's a lot of possibility about him. Well, like you mentioned, you know, um, actors, musicians, singers, all, all kinds of stuff. So, um, you think he you think he is one of the one of the one of the ones in there at some at some way, shape or form?
1: I think so.'ve I've read on a couple of different Masonic sites that he was one. So I, I kind of assume since they have the since they're saying it that he is, i would think that they might get sued if they were lying about it but, <laughs> you know there are a lot of you know obviously people say that guy's a mason and, you know any little thing if he's got a pyramid on his shirt or does a hand sign or something like that and sometimes it's probably true and other times it's just there's no way to tell for sure but i know uh supposedly richard Pryor was a mason of course we know shack is a freemason uh you know but most of them there's a famous picture of brad pitt and he's got his masonic ring on you can see the the ring up really close so you know there's not that many that come out and say it but uh you know um i i assume there's a lot more than than we know about and uh, i heard an actress one time i think her naomi i think her first name's Naomi she's got really curly hair and she's like a Australian I think she was really popular in the 90s
0: Naomi Campbell is that it It might be Watts maybe those are the two I can think of
1: I can't it might be Campbell but she she was being interviewed this was a long time ago and I wasn't really into this kind of stuff but she she's she came from Australia and this lady was like well how do you like Hollywood and how do you like America because she was an actor in Australia and she said well it's great I, I really like it but it's the whole Freemasonry thing is taken a, a little while to get used to. And the lady just like totally changed the subject after that. <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's one of these little things that just kind of popped out there that wasn't supposed to. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I think a lot of people to, to get to a certain level I and mean, we don't even have to get into all the crazy occultish type, you know, ritual stuff. But I think like we mentioned about you, the person, you know, that works at, at UPS, you know, you know, people at that level use it as a um, a tool to to meet people and grow, and I, I'm sure it's the same for people in Hollywood, people in show business. You know, you you really can't. Um, there's no way for you to meet that huge TV host. Well, if you go to this one meeting, well, he'll be there. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like it's it's that's kind of the the question you go back and forth on. It's like, are they intimately involved? Are they in it just to get more fame and, and success? You know, it's a uh, it's um, it's it's hard to tell, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, one of the things I think that's important to mention is they swear oaths to each other it used to be blood oaths. And now they say that's just symbolic and they've taken some of the, the more violent sounding uh, kind of oaths out there. <laughs> out of their their rituals, supposedly, I think like in 1986 or something like that. But it used to be really bad, like if, if I you know, betrayed the lodge, I'll have my throat cut and my eyes pulled out and all these horrible things, but they still do, uh, they swear these oaths to one another to always do business with a Mason, to always uh, take the part of a fellow Mason. If you can help a, a fellow Mason out at any time, you always do that. And, and these are not bad things, You know, like I said earlier, if you're a good person, they're not a bad thing. But if you're an evil person, then you're helping out evil people, you know. And uh, so it's just one of those things. It's a good side and a bad side. And if you're talking about powerful people who are Masons, and like you said, we know a lot of uh, presidents, and we do know most of the presidents that have been Masons. Uh, and, and a lot of senators and, and even uh, Supreme Court justices and stuff like that, which I think should be illegal. But uh, you know these guys have a lot of power and they can really do things. And and if they've sworn an oath to brothers, and not only that, but I will say this: uh, another thing that I thought was interesting. The more I started reading about them, they swear oaths to to their lodges, to obey their lodges, to obey their edicts, to uh, you know, to um, always, even if they leave masonry, they're still supposed to be loyal to their lodges. So it's kind of inst- interesting because, you know, what if the lodge stands against something that you don't believe in, you know, it, it's kind of, a, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure people have ran into that because I know there's a lot of ex-Masons, that you know, that people have left. So again not everything they do is bad by any means but then there's that potential for things to be really bad and um, I don't know I mean I think that needs to be figured in to the whole situation Yeah,
0: yeah. and and what you when you mentioned about you know swearing these oaths and everything back and forth to each other it's very similar to when you look at like the Italian mafia and and I don't know if you have any more information on this but you know I've heard a lot of info about the ties between organized crime and either Freemasonry or CIA or, or what, what's your kind of knowledge about about those kind of ties there because you know it's, it's the same kind of thing right you can't if you're in the mafia you can't leave you know there, right. there's no there's no way out the, the only way out is you know dead or in, in jail you know mm-hmm. so with Freemasonry it sounds like a very similar thing so are there a lot are there some ties there between organized crime in and, and Freemasonry or other other secret societies
1: you know I'm sure there are especially in the, you know, going back a few uh, decades ago. But I personally haven't read anything about that. Uh, I do know, like, I, I've looked into the uh, Skull and Bones, and, you know, I, th- I think all these guys who are big-time politicians, or uh, in, especially in the old days, of the guys who were the heads of these corporations were a lot of times connected to the mob in some way or another, you know. But uh, I personally don't have any... Uh, solid information on that especially not anything current
0: yeah now now that's a good what you just mentioned about the uh, skull and bones i think that's a good jumping off point into kind of you know i I don't wouldn't say necessarily an offshoot of freemasonry but another big organization um tell me a little bit about the skull and bones i I know a little bit of it as as far as it relates to you know uh, george bush you know the second um in his involvement but i know it goes a lot deeper than that
1: yeah, it's an interesting organization. Definitely has masonic a masonic element, I and mean, we don't know much about their rites and rituals. They've been very quiet about it. I mean, not much was known about the stolen bones at all until like '84, I think. And so, um, they were formed in 1833. Uh, one of their um, one of the guy that's kind of known as starting the uh, the whole thing was the Charles. Taze Russell, and uh, he was—he um, went to Germany to study. He was from a well-to-do family, the Russells. And uh, while he was over there, he supposedly uh, joined, met people who were in this, this uh, order, this secret order over there. Now, a lot of people say it was the Bavarian Illuminati, which that's where they were, but supposedly they had broken up, had been broken up a few decades before that just a couple decades or so before that. So he comes over here to Yale and he starts this fraternity with uh, uh, Taft. I forget his first name. It's a really strange name, but anyway, it was the uh, grandfather of William Howard Taft. Alfonso Taft was his name. And so they started Stolen Bones and it's uh, only 15 people they take in every year. Uh, they don't list the names. And uh, I think they did at one time, but only inside Yale to specific people. Uh, so there's been a lot of famous people there. The guy that started FedEx was a Skull and Bones member. Uh, of course, you mentioned the George Bush, but his father was a, a Skull and Bones member, uh, Prescott Bush, with Avril Harriman, uh, who was a famous, uh, he was a New York mayor, but he was also or governor, I believe, but he was also um, a businessman who owns so much so many things. It's just unbelievable. And he, he had so many positions in government. It was crazy. In fact, if you look back at the first uh, in 1833 at those first uh, Skull and Bones members, like about half of them ended up going straight into high government level jobs. So if that tells you anything. Um, but it's usually it's like a kind of like an old bloodline order A lot of these guys go back to the 1600s and a lot of them, it'll be several different generations. So like the Tafts, I think they've had six or eight people over the years. And, you know, eventually the bloodlines kind of, uh, you know, they don't, if maybe they don't have uh, males, so the names may get changed, but a lot of times the son-in-laws will become uh, skull and bones members. Uh, John Kerry, skull and bones member, Uh, his wife, Teresa, um, excuse me, her husband before him was a Skull and Bones member. I think her father was a Skull and Bones member. I mean, it just goes on and on when you start looking at it. Uh, but uh, again, they really, we don't know a lot about them. Uh, and there's quite a bit of evidence to, to suggest that they could have been the Illuminati uh, from Bavaria. Because uh, another, another uh, order there, another fraternity had broken into their kind of... Uh, their, uh, where they do everything. It's called the, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting it. It's the uh, tomb, the tomb there on uh, Yale. I've got all this right. Freemasonry stuff. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so they broke into the tomb and it just has the only windows like at the top. It's a skylight. And they saw all this stuff about Germany and orders from Germany and pictures of the order from Germany and stuff like that. So there's some power players. Uh, the head of uh, Black Stone. Uh, his name is, uh, I believe, Steven Swartz, and uh, he, he's a black, black uh, or he's a, one of their alumni. Um, they've got a bunch of guys, so I think people should check that out if they really want to see a one of the first fraternities in America and probably the most powerful. Uh, quickly, uh, I'll end it with this. They, um, they are a senior year fraternity, senior year only, so they're picked in the junior year, and then they don't actually start to come in to the fraternity until their senior year. So they're kind of picked to, to go on to do big things in, in the government or in big business, stuff like that. So yeah, that makes it different. Also, it's run by something called the Russell Trust and they own their own island, Deer Island. And nobody really knows what goes on there. Uh, so they have a lot of money behind them. Like you get like 15 or $20,000 just for being inducted which is probably not much to some of those guys anyway, but, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's crazy. It's, you know, again, more, more secrecy and uh, you know, Bush and Kerry, both members of this, uh, you know, for, for, for such a small order of people, you know, what are the odds that they would have faced off against each other in a, in a presidential election? You know right. that, that goes right. to your whole point that you know there's such high ties there, and both of them were used for very, very, very important um, for, for different agen- you know for different agendas so that's yeah. uh that's pretty wild. and yeah, I mean I know I, I think with with the skull and bones, I think there's probably a little bit more known about the like rituals and things I- I- involved you know from from some of my you know research and stuff. I mean, there's something weird about a bathtub and you have to say all these they say all these sexual immorality or something there's a lot of really wacky stuff with that
1: yeah you've got to so they lock you in a coffin and you have to so like they say like the night before that happens you have to think about all your sexual whatever you've done up until that point as far as sex goes and then you have to write it all down meticulously and give it to them and uh, they you get in this coffin And uh, I think it's only been filmed at one time from like a far away, but they they scream at you like it just sounds horrible and everyone's wearing these masks these evil looking masks. And so, uh, and if you look at the skull and bones, the skull and bones is in several rituals in Freemasonry and uh, they say that in Freemasonry, it just represents that you are not immortal that you will die, but. um, you know, with the inner orders and all these, you know, multiple meanings to their symbols, I have to think it may have other meanings as well. Um, you can look back if you, uh, you can find it. It's, it's really old cemeteries with Freemasons. So before they used to use the, uh, the compass and the, and the level, they would use a skull and bones. And so you can see some of those graves that are still around. It's kind of interesting, but, uh, you know, I've, I've seen Masonic uh, scholars say there's no connection, so it could just be that they've borrowed that symbolism, or it could be a connection. Nobody wants to talk about it,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah. All, all, all these have to be. You know, they're all connected in in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's, you know, physically, mentally, you know, spirit, spiritually. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the religious aspects of this earlier. I mean, the the, the Freemasons. They don't necessarily have like a luciferian type ideology, right? Is it more just about themselves internally are um are the spiritual and i i don't know if I'm phrasing yeah. that correctly, but like um as opposed to like when you when you think of when people talk about the illuminati or it's almost stuff like that, it's always a very luciferian specific agenda you know it's very explicit um yeah. Yeah. how how does that relate to the the freemasonry is it do they have those kind of um I, I mean i just inherently they have that ideology because they don't believe in you know the one true god but is it as explicit as some of those other sects go
1: it's not uh, they kind of veil it you know like they have so many allegories but if you really get down to it uh, and read albert pike and, and some of the other guys uh, they basically believe that you know you're this rough ashlar stone when you start masonry and if you as you go you become polished and and you become uh, perfect and so they have a right of perfection that came out of france and they believe that you could be perfected with knowledge which is kind of like gnosticism in a way and uh, kind of going back to the illuminati the illuminati started off as the perfectibilists so it's kind of an interesting uh, kind of connection there and of course we know back to going back to the French Revolution, there was a lot of Freemasonry involved in that. But yeah, I think they um, they believe that you can basically become your own God. Now they may not say that right out, but they say it in a bunch of other ways that that's what it means, you know. I think if I had to put my finger on it, and I know a lot of Masons would say, no, I'm a Christian or I'm a Buddhist or I'm this, that, and the other, it's basically a humanist organization with religious kind of symbology you know what i mean uh, and I, I, that's that's kind of what it means to me like uh, albert pike says that um, lucifer is not even real you know he said it was just a, kind of a concept uh, they look, kind of look to um patah the, the god the ancient uh, i think it was an egyptian god patah and they call themselves sons of fire and uh they think that they're, you know, they, they see themselves as the goats, which is interesting because the Bible talks a lot about sheeps versus goats. So uh, they see the sheep as idiots and they see, you know, people who are Christians or who, who are people that are against them as kind of uh, the sheep in general. So, you know, there's so much to it. I've kind of, you know, just touched the surface here, but there's so much to learn about, but yeah. If that answers your question, I hope it does.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it does. I mean, these things aren't aren't you know. There's so much nuance to it oh, that yeah. you, you know you can only really um, know so much. You know, and that's intentional because of how these orders yeah. are, how these orders are set up. But there's definitely devious agendas within them. You know, is every single person involved with it? You know, complicit? And all of them? Well, no. I mean, I and I would say the same about you know our government. I mean, there's a lot of people that work for the government that doesn't know about all the, the 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 trickery that they're trying to do with with us and the lies and the propaganda and stuff so it's it's all the same kind of thing it's an organization like 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 any other but I think there is that level of secrecy that makes it that much more um con- confusing to really understand understand the whys of that so I appreciate I appreciate the breakdown on all that's very it's very helpful for me, me personally, because it's a, it's a thing you hear a lot about. And then, you know, if people, you know, ask me about that kind of stuff, I want to be able to tell them honestly, kind of what my, what my th- thoughts are on it. And, you know, I think kind of you boiled it down really good right there is that it's a, uh, it's a, it's kind of a religion of the self, right? Like, you know, you can be part of this, you can be rich and famous and powerful. If you, if you go through this, there may be some devious specific ritual things throughout there, but really the the key of it is that it's a um, materialistic society, and that's kind right. of what it what it all breaks down to.
1: Yeah, and there's definitely a new age bent to it. Uh, there is, a, they get quite a bit from the Kabbalah as well. Uh, Albert Pike and Albert Mackey and, uh, and Manly P. Hall talk about how the influence of Kabbalah is really huge in Freemasonry. Um you know, that the whole uh, symbolism of light and different things like that, Um, you know, but there's also uh, the Templar kind of a vibe to it. Uh, And if you look at some of the high degrees in uh, the Scottish Rite, several of them have the word knight in them, yet we're also told that, you know, the Freemasons are against anything having to do with uh, hierarchies and, and royalty. And uh, I think there's even one of the degrees has something about the grand pontiff, which is like the Pope. So uh, some people say that the Jesuits um, actually wrote the higher degrees. And uh, Albert Pike rewrote them here when he moved here in the uh, 1800s, mid-1800s. So there's so much mystery to it. Uh, At one time, I've read from different authors in the 1800s. And even before that, there were like several thousand degrees so, you know, uh, he tried to. Uh, supposedly, he tried to break them down to 33 degrees. Uh, so, yeah, you could go on forever with those. The, the symbolism, that's one thing I'll say quickly is the symbolism is almost endless because you can draw parallels to anything. You know, I can take. You know, like we were talking about skulls, I could probably draw like 10 parallels to the skull, you know, and say it means this, this and this And so over time people have done that with a lot of different things concerning the the occult and I think that uh, I've kind of realized that in the last couple of years and there are some legitimate you know connections but then people just continue to make more and more and more and it it gets really confusing and you know the water gets really muddy.
0: Yeah yeah I think there's a lot of you know um, circumstantial type stuff with that right but it's like when you start seeing similar things on top of other similar things yeah then if there's if you're looking at something and there's you know 10 um, images that kind of have certain content that's one thing. But if it's, you know, one of these several things could mean something, then it's you, you can kind of get into the problem where you are inferring something that may or may, may not be there. Um, so it's, it's very, very confusing. Um, before we end real quick. Um, I, I listened to the podcast that you did with our, our good friend, Jack Allen from the conspiracy or just coincidence podcast the other day talking about, you know, current stuff with with Russia and Ukraine. And uh, I think you guys did a great job of breaking down kind of, you know, what we know as of now, of, of what's going on there. And it's kind of a, a constantly um, evolving you know, situation. Um, so if, if you could, for, for all the for all the um, listeners and viewers kind of, what's your current take on on what's what's happening over there and how you think it will affect us, if, if anything, in going forward?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's a kind of a confusing subject. There's so much, I I think the the propaganda that's hitting us and has been hitting us for the last few days, is just enormous. I think it's coming from all sides, kind of hard to tell, you know, what's true, what's not. But I think we know from uh, history, recent history, especially that uh, the powers that be lie to us a lot. (laughs) So it's hard to trust the official stories. Um, I do feel like, uh, my gut tells me that I think that this whole whatever you want to call it cadre of new world order types that are part of the government and the military- industrial complex and all that. Uh, I think they want to take Russia, in my opinion, whether it's for the uh, minerals or, or just to be able to fully control it. I, I don't think that Putin's necessarily I mean I don't think he's a good guy, but you know they, they've put NATO's been putting their bases on their border for years. They've threatened, you know, to make Ukraine a part of NATO. And I think that's probably was the last straw with with the Russians. Because if you look, there's also a lot of uh, just plain uh, military, U.S. military bases that are surrounding it. So, of course, if we did that, you know, if somebody did that close to our borders, you know, we would go in after the first couple of bases, probably the first base and just blow mm-hmm. them the smithereens. So I think that my gut tells me because, uh, the CIA have been in Ukraine since 1953, I think. Uh, look up uh, Operation Aerodynamics or aer- Aerodynamic. Uh, but as recent as 2014, uh, we were, I mean, the money that's been pumped into Ukraine by the State Department, by the Open Societies Foundation, George Soros. I mean, it's unbelievable once you start to investigate it. Uh, we, we placed... Uh, uh, the leader, not the current guy Zelensky, although I believe he was been he's been placed in there as well. But we placed uh, the guy that was before him. I forget his name. And the reason we know that he was placed by the State Department is uh, Victoria Newland, who was working for the State Department, was recorded in a phone call saying, talking about this guy, saying he's the one we want in there. And boom, he was in there like a couple months later.
0: Yeah, and, and it's very easy to, because I had no idea about that until I heard about that recently, and it's very easy. Anybody out there, you can go look up, there's many, many mainstream articles even about that kind of stuff. Now, it's no it's no secret at all that, that the U.S. was heavily involved in getting those people in there.
1: Now, I feel terrible, you know, for the people caught in the middle. I, I sound heartless a lot of times, but I really do feel horrible for them. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just a, a bad situation. Uh, Ukraine's got one of the only all-year... Uh, all year long it's an airstrip that can be used all year long and the russians have been using that and they've been renting that for a long time and that makes uh, ukraine strategic to the russians because in russia you know the, with the weather the snow and stuff they can't use airstrips all year long so that's one of the reasons that it's it's a big um, deal you can look up uh, i don't have the quote right in front of me but uh, it was um it's a big new Br- Brzezinski who was uh, assistant to Carter on his foreign policies, and then he went on to form the Trilateral Commission with uh, David Rockefeller, and he was in the Obama administration. Big time military strategist, uh, globalist, uh, technocrat. Uh, he predicted uh, social media like 25, 30 years before it happened, I mean, it's unbelievable. But um, you know, he, he's on record saying that uh, Ukraine is really, they need, the US needs Ukraine or the, the NATO, basically, because it helps Russia, because of the airstrip, it helps Russia, different things, there's ports there, the Black Sea is in that area. And so Russia needs that, that land in that area to be able to trade and get, you know, get things that they need and make money and all that stuff. So they got to take that out because uh, they don't want competition. I mean, the globalists, that's, that's my opinion. They hate competition and uh, they've got to get rid of it. And, you know, I'll I'll say quickly for my more conservative and and libertarian friends who are supporting the U.S. going in there, I hope it's not that many, but I do see a lot of people kind of want us to go in there. When we go into these countries, you know, we've been taught as conservatives to to feel like that our patriotism lies in our helping other countries out and, and being these warriors and Every time we go into another country, it, we get closer to globalism and world government. And so I think people should look at NATO like they look at the UN and, and except for yeah. it's very heavily armed and very, very well funded. So I think if we look at it in that from that point of view, we'll understand it's it, we don't need to get involved in NATO. I mean in uh, in Ukraine.
0: yeah, yeah, i would I, w- I would I would agree with that. and it, it is of course it's a you know, like you said, it's a very tragic situation because just the common person just gets caught involved in these, in these, in these, in these pissing matches of the, of these people who, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't piss on us if we were on fire, you know? Uh, so it's, it's very unfortunate and, you know, it it does seem like, and, and and of course, you know, it's not, you know, and anytime you, you bring any opposing viewpoint, people say, oh, you're pro Russia, pro Putin. It's like, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's just that, it, it's It's just very interesting that all the people who had such a concerted effort uh, over the past few years on the you know medical stuff going on, all those same people are also having the concerted effort on this as well. So if you didn't believe them in this current in this paradigm, you know, why should you believe the same thing going on going on here? And it's and exactly. I, I think and I think you know Russia didn't really, I don't really think they played ball with a whole lot of the pandemic stuff did they i feel like they kind of just did their own thing didn't they
1: i think so i I remember uh hearing that they weren't really uh i think they'd sent a bunch of the vaccines back and they weren't doing mandatory lockdowns nearly the way we were here even so you know and i you know i don't think that putin's a great guy or anything like that i think he's probably a probably a terrible guy but um you know I also don't trust the powers that be because we look back at uh, we've been lied to, you know, even going back to uh, Pearl Harbor, there's a lot more to that. There was a lot more to the uh, Gulf of Tonkin incident. Uh, you know, they got us in Vietnam. They got us in uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya. Uh, we've been in, we've been helping the Saudis and in, in Yemen, in the genocide bombing Syria. I mean, we, friends with the Saudis. Come on, man. These guys are, I thought we were against radicals, you know? I mean, it's it's just crazy, man. Our our foreign policy is insane once you kind of, if you're able to kind of take yourself out of it and the left-right thing, you kind of get away from it for a little bit, you realize how insane it really is. Yeah. I'll I'll say quickly, too, real quick, as far as NATO goes, so if people aren't familiar with the Atlantic Council, it's like the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, It's been around since, I think, the 50s super well funded and it works hand in hand with nato and the and the pentagon but if you look at their donors just look up atlantic council donors you've got again george soros supposed to be this communist guy uh, open societies foundation you've got the rockefeller foundation rockefeller brothers fund blackrock blackstone it's just all these globalist entities of course google i think is part of it and twitter and Uh, several others exxon i think just all all these banking houses bank of america so it goes oh yeah yeah i'm
0: looking at it too right now you know facebook google jp morgan chase raytheon um, you know all all these all all, everyone that everyone that's everyone is is a part of this
1: and that's your military industrial complex right there you know part of it anyway and you know i I, don't get me wrong i'm not against our soldiers or anything like that but the money that comes into that whole system it doesn't go to our soldiers you know i mean a tiny tiny amount it goes to these big huge companies and then these financiers get to loan these uh, countries you know money to rebuild and then if they can't rebuild then they basically own their countries so it's yeah it's a big scam man
0: <laughs> yeah just like you mentioned about you know the um philanthropy of you know for freemasons or you know really any kind of philanthropy it's not really you, you look at the percentages, only a certain amount goes to the people that need it. You know, a lot of it is just for you know the overhead or like you said, just kind of deferring taxes. You know, a uh, big thing kind of where I am in Ohio is, um, you know, the LeBron James Family Foundation started this uh, school um, in, in Akron, Ohio here, here. And, you know, it was a big to-do, right? Everybody was like, this is great. He started this, he started this school. He's going to be helping people out, this and that. And you come to find out that like that financial commitment was not really that much. And it's really the people of the city that are that are subsidizing this this school. And it was really just kind of a big tax deferral for him. So, you know, those people need to be called out on some of that stuff because they use this all as kind of a a virtue signal to make themselves look better. But but in the end, like we've been talking about, it's all about it's all about themselves and their own personal financial gain.
1: Yes, yes. It's great PR for them. You know, they get to pose in the pictures and and get written up in the paper and get news pieces uh, done about them, what great people they are. But, you know, you look back, uh, going back to the Shriners, which is, you know, higher level Masons, uh, those guys, they had the hospitals and they still have some hospitals, but some have closed down. But uh, they were a bunch of investigations and they were only giving just a tiny percent to uh, the hospitals. So People will use these foundations and, and these philanthropic groups, like you said, to to look like they're doing a great job. And and then you come to find out it's all a big lie and they've got yeah. tax exempt status. And that's huge for them. So, yeah, yeah it's it's terrible, man.
0: Yeah. You know, um, back to kind of what I mentioned about earlier about, you know, about Phil Collins and his possible association with this. You know, a big thing he was involved with in many big artists in the 80s was that whole Live Aid concert, right, where they raised you know, millions and millions of dollars for AF, I believe is for Africa or something. So that's something I really want to look into because I'm willing to bet, you know, dollars to donuts that not a whole lot of money really got where, where it should have gone with, with that kind of, with that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, man. I just thinking about from the time I was a kid up until this point with all the money that's supposedly went into Africa. I mean, there should be a lot of more, a lot more infrastructure and a lot more people who are, being fed and and taken care of and and taught how to farm and all these different things. So it's, it's crazy. It it really is. It's pitiful that we live in this kind of world, but it's a fallen world. And if people can, you know, use these uh, fronts to make themselves look good and uh, make a fortune, unfortunately they will.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, you know, the best you can do is, you know, be 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 with you know. Take the take care of the people around you. You know, have have strong strong faith in what you believe in, and you know whatever's going to happen is is what's going to happen. You know, there's really no you're not going to stop this ball from coming. It's gonna it's gonna come. You know, whether it's tomorrow or three, four, five years from now, or thirty five years from now. I mean, it's this thing is all going to come down. You know, it's, it's obviously all been foretold. You know, and if if you follow you know Christianity like I do, in you know, in, in Revelation, this all it all comes to a head at at a, at a certain point and it um if you have that faith you know that it gets worse but then it ultimately gets better in the end so um, right. yeah. kind of my departing words there so um oddman thank you so much again for for joining me this evening this has been great very informative very very educational for me personally um get, um for, for anybody who who joined late kind of let everybody know where they can find you on on social media and and kind of some of the stuff you're working in um, on your podcast.
1: Yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So yeah, uh, you find me on social media underscore the odd man out. And that's on Twitter and Instagram. And the podcast is the odd out. And uh, so right now I'm working on part two of the skull and bones society. I think I brought some information that maybe some of the people hadn't heard. And I'm doing uh, actually finally doing a show on the Bavarian Illuminati, which is kind of one of these shows I've been working up ever since I started, because it's kind of the mother of all conspiracies in a way, because it was like the Illuminati, you know, it's got that word in it. So you got to really know what you're doing, trying to tell what's fiction, what's fact. It's It's been tough, but I think I've got a good, solid show. And I'm also doing another show. I've got it recorded on the pilgrim society and that's kind of a little known group that's similar to the cfr a lot of the same members it's just an older group uh globalists bankers uh socialists and uber capitalists it's crazy but uh so that's that's done it should be out within the next couple of days
0: awesome yeah i'll put all the all the links in the show notes so everybody listening and and watching definitely go go check out odd man's work you know you you read a lot, which which is is great. You know, reading. I think um, you know between you and and Jack Allen from the Conspiracy Justice Coincidence, you guys have really encouraged me to to read a lot more because it's it's a lost art. You know, in this world we live in with like these fifteen second clips uh, on the news and just headlines and all this kind of stuff, reading has definitely fallen by the wayside. And I think you know for for anybody out there listening, that's the one thing I would encourage anybody is is to 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 read to read as much as you can.
1: Absolutely, and one thing I have found is, as I was never a reader before, I started doing a podcast. But um, you know, the index is awesome. And if you're interested, you buy a book, and you're interested in this one subject in that book, go to the index and find out every inf- you know all the information in there. And a lot of times, these books will have footnotes and references. And you, and that way, if you have references, you know that there at least there's some people out there who are doing deep research trying to find these things out instead of like you know a quick article that's very slanted from some news piece or some you know video that is almost all opinion instead of any fact so yeah it's great
0: yeah and and I I will say you know thank you very much you gave me some really good sources um for the book I wrote that you know came out a few months ago um the 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 Wilhelm Reich book um what was it called about fascism I can't recall the the uh Uh,
1: Oh gosh! Yeah, I can't remember either.
0: The um, mass
1: mass psychology, mass, of,
0: fasc- mass psychology of, of fashion. Yeah, that, that yeah, one's yeah. really that one's really great. I've only scratched the surface on it. It's it's really great. Um, and then the other one too from Mikkel Claire Nissen about about Denmark about yeah, how their, yeah. ab- about how, how their society is seen as such a free open society, but really it's a collectivist society, and that really gave me a lot of good inspiration for talking about how totalitarian societies look and act and it doesn't always you know look like hitler sometimes it looks like hey everybody's friends everybody's neighbors but you know if everybody is a hive mind it's it's a similar concept so definitely thank you a lot for your uh for your your sources there definitely appreciate it absolutely man anytime all right well That will do it for this episode of Conspiracy in the Force. I want to thank Oddman for joining me. Um, My name is Conspiracy Kyle. I thank everybody for everybody who's joining and watching live, listening after the fact. I definitely appreciate it. Um, And we will talk to you again soon. May the Force be with you.